The emphasis is always on the word of God. The emphasis is always on the mind of Christ that we now have. The emphasis is always on the Holy Spirit leading us, leading us in this word and communicating the mind of Christ. The emphasis is always the Holy Spirit disclosing the words of Jesus to us and that this is our sobriety, this is our strength, this is our life, and this is how we subdue all things. And so today is very fitting in light of what we've been talking about for really a long season, maybe even since the inception of Dominion Sonship, and it's non-devourable. When we have a confidence of righteousness that stems from the word of God, we are not devourable. And we're not easily tossed aside and apart and all over the place. We're not easily maneuverable away from the cause of Christ and the call of God in our life. And so today, the emphasis is check on yourself and ensure to know that you are not devourable. Today, it's almost like a refresher course. And so here we go, uh, verse 6. Therefore, and comes right after, right after Peter tells about submitting one to another because God resists the proud. God resists the proud and the arrogant mind that exalts itself. And we looked at last week how arrogance is always wanting to exalt itself wants to exalt itself. It's me, myself, and I, Desi, I want to exalt myself. That's what the flesh looks like. The flesh can never be sanctified. The flesh is to be crucified. Our sanctification is found through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the precious seed of Christ within us. And so when we recognize that we are to submit in humility, to one another and to God above all, to Christ. To Christ within us we submit. By taking that word of truth and exalting it above our desires, by exalting it above the flesh, by exalting it above the deception that's so prevalent in the world, that's a place of humility, a humbling, which is a safe place. And so... We, God resists the proud, but what does he do? He gives grace to the humble. And if there's a time that we need grace, it truly is in this hour. Grace to believe God, grace to get along, grace to walk out patience, a grace to be in self-control, grace to see right, to hear right, to communicate right. Grace to rightly divide between spirit and soul. Grace the word of truth. So we'll be found standing to the end. Grace to uphold us. Though many, the word says, would depart in this hour from the faith. Will not, will not. Because here, verse 6, because we'll choose to what? Humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may, that he may, he may what? Crush us further? <laughs> that he may exalt us in due time. So it's not about exaltation. It's about who does it. Who does it? Is it out of a selfish ambition? Out of a, a selfish motivation? Or is it because you've submitted yourself to the Lord and now he is exalting you? And how does this happen? 
by casting all of our cares upon him because he cares for you. A revelation of the love of God. When I have a revelation of the love of God, I'll not fret because I know I'm loved. When I'm, I know I'm loved, and this is not just about a heady sort of a knowing, it's about a living experience of knowing I am loved. And when we know I am loved, <laughs> there's no pressure. It just, it falls off of your shoulder. It runs off of you. It, care cannot stick on you because you know God loves you. And because he loves you, he'll see you through it. He'll see you through it. He'll see you through it. He's a loving father. He'll never abandon us. He'll never forsake us, but he'll take care of us. And then on the heels of that, he says, be sober, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, we have an adversary, time to wake up. We have an adversary. And I think, uh, I think that really is where often we trip up because we recognize that, that there are desires within us, passions of the flesh that we are constantly controlling and saying, no, that's not who I am. We're bringing those under, those thoughts. And, um, and in that process, we forget that there is an enemy that is instigating a lot of these passions by provoking them, by provoking our flesh. By bringing just the right kind of a personality to get us rattled, rattled. Uh, this morning I, I was getting rattled with my sweet husband. <laughs> yeah, I know he said something, and uh, and I'm like the same question, the same question, and uh, that was a good answer. He came up with says, "What about this being the test of your life? This particular question." What I'm saying is that. We have to be very careful how we navigate through life because there will always be a question or a statement. There will always be a thought process that wants to trip us up. And many times, even the vessel that it comes through is totally oblivious. And yet, and yet there is a spiritual ammunition in that particular phrase that only you can perceive and no one else. Anyone else that might have heard that particular question this morning would have been like, just answer the question, not a big thing, not a big deal. But what gets me going at that moment? It's an unruly flesh that I have to bring into submission. And so it's very important that no matter the phraseology, the enemy knows exactly how to phrase questions that are very innocent questions. Statements that are just really, uh, they, they come from no yeah, predetermined conniving, you know, I'm going to set her up to trip up again. A deliberate statement. That, no, we don't realize many times we're not hearing what they're saying. We're just responding to that which we perceive, that which we perceive they're saying. And so, and so this is really the sobriety of mind. We don't wrestle flesh and blood. We do not uh, wrestle flesh and blood. And the enemy knows exactly every frailty of the flesh. He's watched you all your life. He knows your little trigger spots. And he just knows how to play the game perfectly. 
And so that's why I said grace to discern, grace to hear right, grace to see right, and to recognize that flesh and blood is never my foe. It's a tough one. Tough one. Because we catch ourselves responding to a spiritual reality, but attacking the ones we love or the ones we don't even know just because they said something we perceived wrong. And so the reigning, that says the vigilance, the vigilance, the self-control, the, the astuteness of the walk of the Spirit within our life to discern a right, to discern a right, and to reign in the response of the flesh and negate that passion of carnality. Because we have an adversary. And here it is the devil who walks about like a roaring lion. Like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. Whom he may devour. What's the next line? Resist him. Steadfast in the faith. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith. So we have an adversary that is like a roaring lion, prowling, looking whom he may devour. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith. And oftentimes from my own walking out this verse, it looks like raining those stirred up emotions. Raining that wrong perception, Desi. Rain yourself and align yourself and let the peace of Christ rule your heart and your mind. Be anxious for nothing, Desi. Don't fret about it, Desi. Just drop it. Drop the argument. Drop the hot potato that you were just thrown. Drop it. Don't catch it. Let it fall. Setups. Setups of Satan to do only one thing, not to bless us. It is to devour us. And we reread from John 10, 10. We'll go back. We'll go back again today, I believe. That the, the, there is a thief. And he comes to do what? To steal to kill and to destroy. That is what devour looks like. And so there's a sobriety in the message that we do have an adversary and he is skilled in what he does. And there's only one intent that he has to devour, to devour. We're not afraid. The word says resist him, which means he is to be resisted. And we know that he flees when we resist him. Actually, I just want to look up. The way we resist him is really closely related to taking on a care. Like when we take on a care, we're not resisting. But the devourer looks like a care. And so this scare can, can, can really masquerade in some very hidden tactics of the enemy. Where, you know, I got to be wise in what I do. I have to be a responsible person. I need to figure out certain things. I can't be irresponsible. You know, I, 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 no one is there to look after me. So I have to stand up for myself. Cares. 
cares. And these cares, I gotta figure out my life. I gotta have a plan. Uh, okay, I recognize, I, I, you know, think about a five year plan. Maybe it's not, okay, okay, I've gotta trust God, but you know, I gotta have a plan for this upcoming week. I gotta have a plan. And there's nothing wrong in, in allowing the Lord to order your steps and for you to jot some things down of, a, a setup that you believe God's going to move and lead you that way. But really, if you take the care of it, you've just become devourable. You can't care of you for yourself. You can't take care of yourself. But the Lord takes care of us. And so humility looks like casting my cares. It's picking this phone that looks like here and just chucking it. Saying, God, I know it's mine. I don't want it. Take it, God. Because these are our cares. They're not God's cares. These are things that, that talk to us. They don't talk to God. So it's my care, my moment of temptation that I'm to do what? Hold it for a little longer? And go through different apps of um, maybe it will go this way, maybe not. What if, what if not? And before you know it, you, you, you're stuck. You're stuck in the what ifs. You're stuck. Thank God for the grace of God to wake us up in those moments. And we chuck it away. No, not my care. Can't care. No. God, I give it to you. Don't take it back. I give it to you, God. That is to be vigilant. Because we have an adversary. And so I wanted to look up that verse 9. Resist him steadfast in the faith. I'll finish off, but I'll go back to what I just read. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So right off the bat, there's nothing unique about any one of us. Everything we go through, many others go through. We're not the only ones with this hard case that is woe is me. No one knows what I'm going through. That's a lie. Because the word says, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Let's go back to resisting steadfast in the faith. This is really important. What makes us not devourable? So it's resisting, but the way we resist him is being steadfast in the faith. I remember having a night vision many, many, many years ago. And the voice of the Lord was very tangible to me in that moment. And he actually read this verse over me. He read this verse, resist him steadfast in the faith. And the emphasis actually was not on the word resist him, but he put the emphasis on steadfast in the faith. And at that moment, I, I saw that the way we resist him is through our faith. When we're steadfast in this persuasion of who God is, of who we are in him, him in us, and that we are now one, that is really how we resist the devil. So the action is not so much resist, uh, sling those fists, give some words out, just, just go fight whichever way, just, 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 just fight your way out of it, fight your way out of it. Like almost like a desperate to win. No, no, no. What is, what is the victory that has already overcome the world? It's even our faith. And so I, I walk in dominion. I walk above every circumstance. And whatever I see rising up to engage me, I shut it down. I bring it back into subjection, back into submission. Say, so no, you don't talk to me. You're nothing but a lie. 
nothing but a lie. Because I'm to think on that which is pure, that which is of a good report. If it's not a good report, I don't tolerate it in my mind. Now, there are moments we, we catch ourselves when a bad report of health, of finances is given to us, and, and at that moment, an answer is required. And the Lord, you have, you, that's when you really get quiet. And God will give you the answer. But it never will be fretting and worrying and anxiousness of mind. It will never be, go call someone and complain or, or cry to someone. It will never be a fleshy response. And there will be a moment where we'll, we'll share and there could be tears. But, but the way we respond to that situation is always under the lead of the Holy Spirit. And it will always come from a place of faith. So the word steadfast in the faith, that word steadfast is in the Greek concordance. It's the word 4731 st steros. And it's actually standing firm in your faith. How do we resist the devil who is a devourer? How do we resist the devourer? How do we resist the stealing, the killing, and the destroying? How do we resist destruction in our life? The only way we do it is through our faith. By standing firm in your faith. This word was used four times in the New Testament, this word steros. And let's look at the other moments of it will give us an understanding of how we stand fast in the faith. So before that, I'll read the word steros. It's referring to what is immovable. So we're to be immovable, uh, not to budge, to be stable, to be unchangeable. To, to stand fast without buckling or giving way. Oh, I love it. To stand fast without buckling or giving way. Steadfast. 2 Timothy 2.19. We'll start, I think, from 14. Um, yeah, we have read a little part of it before in other teachings. 2 Timothy 2.14, Paul writing to Timothy, Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strife. We recognize this is one way that we allow the enemy to trip us up and be, de be devoured is through strife. Look at it. Strife about words to no profit, to ruin, ruin the hearers. I really... I have meditated this. I have meditated this. I speak this to myself. Do not strive about words to no profit. To ruin the hearers. There's nothing like an argument to present your cause that is most destructive at the end of the day. If you have to argue to present your cause, you already are in the wrong. You have become devourer. And the only thing you're ministering to the hearers, it is not grace. Whether it's to do arguments of doctrines, arguments about Christianity, just back off and don't get yourself in a strife or argumentative. Oh, I'm just trying to explain. No, you don't need to explain. Let the Lord do the explanation. Let them see your kindness and your gentleness and your firmness of a stand, your firmness of non-compromise. But you don't have to strive about words to no profit, to ruin the hearers. 
Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God. This is what we're about. Presenting ourselves approved to God. Not in the eyes of men. I could care less what men thinks about me. But my, my, my diligence is to be found in this presentation of myself before God. That's what keeps me safe and non-devourable. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, of course, of the gospel of Christ, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we're talking about a right understanding of the word of God. Rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to what? More ungodliness. Don't engage in idle babblings because they only lead to more ungodliness. And their message will spread like cancer. Hymenus and Philetus are of this sort who have strayed concerning the truth. They have strayed away from the word of truth. They've strayed away from the word of God, saying that the resurrection is already past and they overthrow the faith of some. Wrong teachings, right? Nevertheless, 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 in the midst of all the wrong teachings that some are disseminating, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, and this is the word Sarah, solid, firm, immovable. The solid foundation of God stands. So if you want to stand to resist the devil, where do you stand? In arguments and strivings? Do you stand in idle babblings? Do you stand in the profane? Do you stand in the philosophy of man, in the era of the teaching? No, you stand on the solid foundation of the word of God because that solid foundation stands. And so this standing that I have is a standing of Christ in me. It's not me of myself, death is so strong. In the carnal man, I am weak. And Paul acknowledged that. But there is a grace that is sufficient, which is the solid foundation of God, which is the word of truth, that when you stand, you are withstanding the devourer, which is stealing, killing, and destroying. So next time you sense devouring, check on yourself. Have you been strifeful with words to no profit? Have you been in wrong teachings? Have you been in idle babblings? And these are really cares, by the way. I got to prove my i got to prove my point. After all, God gave me a platform. i got to correct all the error. Trust the Holy Spirit. And there will be moments of correction, but there will be divine leading of inspiration that will lead to profit, that would lead to life. And so, so right there was that word solid. The other one is in... Hebrews 5, two verses there, 5.12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. 
that is the sayings of, of course, of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. You have come to need milk and not solid, solid, here's the word, steros, food. And that is that solid foundation of truth. That is the immovableness of the word of God. That is where nothing budges, where the word's concerned. But everything that's attacking and assaulting truth has to budge. How is it going to be in this last hour? How are we going to see the great awakening? It's by me being unbudged, standing on the solid foundation of the word of God where he tells me before he comes, there will be a restoration of all things in the body of Christ. How is it going to come about? It's going to come through God as I take a stand on the solidity of the word of God. That's how someone's going to stand on truth today. And we're not talking about a relative truth of, well, that is a good cause. I'm talking about the word of God's truth. Where there's no shadow of turning. 13, for every, back to, to Hebrews 5, for everyone who partakes only of milk, once in a while, a little bit of word. Well, maybe my pastor, okay. Once, once a week, my pastor reads a few scriptures. Okay, I got it. I know the word of God. I heard that verse before. Yeah, same verse. I know it. I can know. Get yourself. In the word, in your private moment, meditate, digest, ponder, live the word of God. Read the word of God. Let the word speak to you. Let the word navigate you right when you catch yourself in a strifeful moment. As I caught myself this morning in my response, well, I, I didn't continue thereafter. Rain in. Rain in. Allow the word to speak to you. Is this edifying? Is this ministering grace to the hearer? No. Well, then drop it. Oh, I don't want to drop it. It's a good argument. Drop it. It's a matter of, of life and death. It's a matter of being devourable versus not devourable. It's, it's just that blatant. It's just, just, that, just, just that simple. That simple. Everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. In verse 14, but solid, here's the word solid, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. It's about growing up in this word of righteousness. It is about becoming skilled in the word of righteousness. It is about the Holy Spirit communicating truth to you. And you be led by truth. You be led by truth. It's of those who are full age, that is those who by reason of use, by reason of use, take note of it. That word is practice. By practicing the word. Are you practicing the word every day? Are you practicing or are you just reading it because it's the right thing for a Christian to do, read the Bible once a day, uh, a chapter, or, or my little daily devotional with one verse in that little devotional? 
Are you practicing the word today? Because when we practice the word, what happens? We have our senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And so what it's telling me, if I do not eat the solid food of the word of God and practice that which I hear in the word of God, that which the Holy Ghost is communicating, it's coming off the page for me. If I don't put legs to it, then I'm not exercising myself in the word of righteousness. And therefore, I will not be able to discern both between good and evil. So I'll call evil good. I'll call evil good and I'll call good evil. Well, don't we see that in today's world? Even in the midst of those who, who know the word, who have been in the local church. Is it the pastor's fault? No. It's our own fault. For not picking this solid food and digesting it. Digesting it. Digesting it. And then what well, we, the other, the, the fourth is what we just read about steadfast in the faith. So what makes us not devour is the, the word in us. It is, it is, it is what makes us strong. It is the solid food of the word of God so that by this solidity within us, we are withstanding every assault of devour. By this solidity of persuasion, by this firmness, by this and swerving away from truth, we are able to resist him. And you see, that's why the Lord read and emphasized to me steadfast in the faith, in the faith, because that's the only way you resist. How else do you resist? It's really the word of God resisting now. It's really the word of God that you have trained yourself to walk in is a discerner, right? The word is a discerner. Remember what we read in, in Hebrews? It's right here in Hebrews 4, verse 12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a what? A discerner of the hearts, of the thought, and the intents of the heart. And so the discerner is when I, when I exercise myself, when I exercise myself in this word of righteousness, when I, when I start walking out truth, when I start reining myself in, when I recognize that flesh is no longer acceptable and flesh is a downfall to my walk in Christ, every fail is found in my flesh. So then I rein in, I disallow that communication from the lower realms of hates, the carnal soulish thoughts, to regulate my life. I disallow it. And I allow the word, this double-edged sword that is sharp, that is living, that is active, to be a discerner. And that's why he writes in chapter 5, in Hebrews, the writer writes that when we use, in, in verse 14, that when we use this word, we are training our senses to discern. Because the discernment is coming from the word of God. It's coming from the Word of God. So what, what are we doing now? We're taking the pressure off of us to be, to be a superhero, to recognizing the superhero God lives in us now. To recognize that this superhero God that lives in us looks like the Word of God. The solid foundation of God is what? What do we read in Paul to Timothy? It's, it is the Word of truth. It's the word of truth. It's the word of truth. 
It's the word of truth. It's not just knowing God is real. What does the word say? That even the devils believe. Even the devils believe. But we are faith. We are walking it out. We are now doers of truth. We are becoming truth himself in, uh, by expressing truth. We are being transformed into truth. That only truth comes out of us. So when people see us, they, they would recognize truth. They would not see striving. They would see truth. Truth is not strifeful. Truth is meek and gentle. What does Jesus say? You who are heavenly in the come and do what? Come and glean from me. From meek and lowly. That is truth. That's why Peter writes, humble yourself. This is truth. Don't be the biggest megaphone out there in correcting everyone. Let the Holy Ghost navigate you. Let the Holy Spirit navigate you. And it's speaking truth in love always. That is how God communicates. Let's go to John 10. So then we recognize that if the word of truth is our strength and we to resist Satan with this truth of the word of God, let's go to, to the Gospels. We've got to go John and then we're going to go Luke and Mark. The only way we resist Satan is how? Through the solid foundation of the word of truth, right? Steadfast in the faith. That's how we resist him. Not by screaming and yelling at the devil. John 10, 10. The thief does not come except. So the, the thief does come, but he only comes for one reason. So don't think the thief is not going to come to you. He's a roaring lion looking whom he may devour. He'll come to you. And he'll come with only one intent. Devour, which is here. So the devil comes, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And what does Jesus say? But I, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Well, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ is the living word, right? So the word has come to give us life and that more abundantly. But the thief has come to steal. So here, let's go to Luke. And then we go to Mark. Luke 8. Parable of the sower souls, the word, because we know the seed is the word of God. And the word, the seed has come to, what did Jesus say? To give us life and that more abundantly. Okay, this is Jesus explaining the parable of the sower. Verse 11, Luke, Luke 8, 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God, which has come to give us life and that more abundant, Right? And we know we're born out of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. They hear. Then the devil comes. The devil comes to do what? To take away the word out of your heart. Because he recognizes that the word is your strength. The word of God is your strength. So he comes to do what? To steal the word out of your heart. I'll tell you one good way he does it is through striving. Get in an argument and that's where the drain comes. Argument, fear, anxiousness of mind, idle babblings, gossip. That's how he steals it. You don't see the devil coming to you like a, 
what, some of the red suit and pitchfork and horns. It's a spirit. A spirit knows exactly how to phrase the thoughts in your mind. Well, you know, you're always by yourself. You'll always be by yourself. Well, you know, if you don't look after yourself, who's going to look out? Well, you know, you're never going to come out of this mess that you created yourself, Desi. Sounds just like your carnal man because his confidence is your carnal man. Satan's confidence is your carnal man. And so we're to be alert and vigilant, right? Isn't that what Peter says? To be sober, to be vigilant because we have an adversary and this adversary comes to steal that by which we can resist him. Guess what? He wants to eat you up, buddy. He wants to devour you. He wants to devour you. Don't give him the time of day by getting argumentative. I talk to myself. Don't give him the time of day by being anxious in your mind. What is it going to happen? What is it going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. God's going to happen in my life. God has always happened in my life. If God be for me, who can be against me? All things work together for good for those that who love God and are called according to his purpose. All things line up for us because we're found in his word, right? And so if we go here to verse 14, this is a key thing. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, they do what? They go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. One way the devourer happens is when we depart, we go out of this word. When we go out of him telling us, don't be anxious for anything, but pray about it. Be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful for this is the will of God. Be thankful. Pray about it. Don't be, no, I'm gonna, no, no, I, I gotta figure this out. Oh, no, uh, a little bit of anxiousness is not, a bit of, a bit of worry is not bad. It's a reasonable thing. No, I gotta think about it. We are going out and we're being devoured, choked. And I had looked at this word choked before. It was like weeds choking plants. Choked with cares and riches and pleasures of life. It's the love of money. It's that self-preservation. It is that it's looking out for self all the time. It's me myself being heard all the time. It's me having the last say in the argument. It's me standing up for me, my carnal man. We get choked. And the same, the same, um, Mark says the same, the same parable in, um, Mark 4. 13, this is Jesus, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? Which is saying this is a pretty, this is a basic parable. It's a principal parable. It's, it's a principal parable. The sower sows the word, and we know the word gives us life, right? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown, when they hear, that's, that is always, that, that always has really, uh, pricked me. It means that 
we actually heard the word and we made the choice to depart from that which we heard. We are accountable. This is not for the ones who never heard. Many out there haven't heard, but we're so judgmental on them. How about us who have heard? They have heard the word and they depart from it. That is sad to me. I, I take this to my own self. And I never, I never come to a cocky place like, I got it. I have enough word to, to, to take me through the, the rest of my life. No, every day, every day, every day, every day. It's my pleasure. It's my desire. It's my safety. It's my fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It's my life. It's my guarantee of God in my life. It's my, my knowing I'm not devourable. I cannot be devoured. But because the word of truth, the solid meat of the word of God, I am using it. It's building up faith in me, and I'm discerning a right, and I'm in this moment of faith withstanding every fiery dart of the enemy. That shield of faith. That shield of faith. Look, when they hear, when they hear, as soon as they hear, Satan comes immediately. He doesn't waste any time. I remember, I remember years back that um, Sunday, Sunday service, and the most conflictual time of my week was Sunday afternoon and Monday morning. Sunday afternoon and Monday, suddenly everything will hit me from everywhere, like Sunday afternoon, Monday morning. The enemy immediately was coming to steal that word I heard Sunday morning. Satan comes immediately and takes away takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So the word was actually placed in their hearts. They heard, they believed. They didn't reject it. They believed it. It was sown in their hearts. And Satan came and stole it. How? Did he just put his dirty hand in one's heart? No. Cares. That's how he does it. Worry. Arguments. Strifeful people that we tolerate. The one they want to pick arguments. Don't pick an argument with me. Don't pick an argument with me. I don't argue. Because this is real. And if I catch myself in an argument, uh, I have to quickly repent. When they hear Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Uh, and again, talking about the particular ground among thorns in verse 18. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. It's this, this deceitfulness of riches is this need to have financial comfort. This deceitfulness of riches as though it can ever provide any comfort. Actually, my youngest girl, she's 10. And uh, my um, third born, we have four kids, and so two boys and two girls. So the other girl just got a, a pretty special, she bought herself a very, like a, an iPhone, like a watch. 15 is the other one. <laughs> um, my 15 year old, she just got herself a pretty neat um, iPhone watch. 
And so Victoria was really excited when the package was going to come, when the package was going to come. And Dylan says, no, Victoria, it's only going to last this excitement for just a little bit because you know how it goes. You get something real exciting, and then before the day is over, it's not new anymore. You're on to the next thing. And so that was such an astute discernment at the age of 10. But any age, we, we should always have this. This is to do with the deceitfulness of riches, right? That it's fleeting. That's what Elisa was communicating. It's fleeting. It's fleeting. It's fleeting. And, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a place of excitement. There's a place to be thankful for what you have. And, and there's a place when the Lord brings it to you. And there's a place of enjoying it. Of course there is because the word of God says that God gives all things freely so we can enjoy. But there is such a deceitfulness in things that so engages. And here comes one and it's not satisfying. We're on to the next, on to the next. And so that is another way that Satan steals from us. That we become devourable. And look how it's, it finishes that verse 19. And we become unfruitful. We become not profitable for the kingdom of God. And we're going to finish with, um, in Jude. Not devourable. And we recognize the only way we're not devourable is the word of God abiding in us. So we can bear fruit and don't allow the enemy to steal it through his deceitfulness. What is deceitfulness of riches? What is the pleasures of life? What is the cares of the world? Verse 20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. We are to build ourselves up on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now that is what non-devourable looks like. That to me is a definition of not devourable. Building myself in my, my most holy faith, recognizing faith comes by the hearing and the hearing of the word of God. Faith comes through the voice of the Holy Spirit. Faith, faith comes by the Holy Ghost, um, exposing, disclosing, communicating the words, the words of Jesus, the word of God to us and Praying in the Holy Spirit, we are fortifying that which we know. We are fortifying that which we believe. We are fortifying ourselves in the love of God that's been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost, looking unto the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ and His soon return. I love that. That for me is a definition not devourable not devourable. So it's not all up to the Lord, but it's us resisting steadfast in the faith, steadfast standing on that solid foundation of the word of God, steadfast, immovable. I actually wrote something and I wrote here, the strength of your life is not solely your prayer life. So often we relate strength of a spiritual life to prayer life. But really the strength of your life, it is your life in the word. It's your word life. And I wrote, prayer flows out of your word life and brings forth fortification to your life. And so this is what it's about. Non-devourable 
is building ourselves up in our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit and keeping ourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Amen. We are done today again.